Welcome to Market Scale Sports and Entertainment. When most of us think about sports, we consider the final score or the speed with which a race was completed. There's a trend in the sports industry, however, to place a new focus on the preparation side of a race. On today's podcast, we'll discuss how performance analysis can not only protect and improve athletes' competitive years, but how that technology and knowledge can be used to improve the lives of everyday individuals as well. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with Nicholas Longworth, the founder of the Sports Data Series and a director of Sports Innovation Network. Nicholas, how are you today? Hi, how are you? Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to to have a little chat with me. Do me a favor. If you could give me, say, the 60-second elevator version of how you came to be involved with the Sports Innovation Network. Yeah, so I ran conferences for probably about 10 years um, in life sciences, um, and I was inspired by the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics event um, that you have over in Boston. And I thought it was really interesting, the um, convergence of um, performance data and analyzing data and telling really interesting stories to fans and conveying really interesting content. So a couple of years ago, I started um, a conference around that based in London. Um, and then now that conference is part of the Sports Innovation Network with a um, couple of other directors. Um, and yeah, we're really looking to do interesting uh, discussions. I think the whole entertainment and sports world is rapidly changing, particularly new technologies coming in. Um, and that's kind of how I've uh, got involved with it. Well, let's talk about that. So you you focus an awful lot of intelligence on performance analysis. And as someone who at one point considered myself an athlete, but I would no way say that I am one now, I would have loved to have had more information so maybe I could have performed better. Yeah. Tell me about some of the things you see, some of the technologies that you really are impressed with that are geared towards helping athletes perform better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose there's kind of different degrees of it. Um, obviously, um, traditionally, a lot of the um, tech that you've seen, so for example, Catapult got set up um, because the Australians didn't do so well. I think it was the Sydney Olympic Games, and they wanted to bring technology um, into how they can train smarter. Um, so um, that that was really interesting. Obviously, that's elite level. It's the same maybe with Tour de France teams, etc., and they can look at whether fatigue is setting in and obviously if they're improving their performance. Um, But more and more now recently, um, we see kind of amateur athletes, um, you know, maybe people that don't have the resources and obviously trying to train around a busy work schedule using those technologies to inform their own um, training. So that goes from everything from Endomondo, you know, tracking the distance you run um, to GPS. We've also got Whoop that um, actually came to one of our conferences quite recently that looks at um, heart rate um, variability. And so your recovery during sleep, etc. I think more and more you're going to have a little bit, you know, rather than just looking at GPS and looking at those tracking, you're probably even going to have stuff about um, looking at dehydration levels. Um, I think there's always going to be an issue about, you know, Know, invasive and non-invasive technologies and obviously that's something that's going to be looked at but um, I certainly think that if in the future we're going to see a lot more about um, informing people when they need to drink or you know when they need to ease up because sometimes you can't really feel it until as a lot of people know the next day you really feel it and you know particularly if you're um, you know not the 
fittest or you know you're not used to competing day after day after day you really need to kind of build slowly and really kind of need that data to inform your training or, or competition well talking about that data there is now an ocean of information available to athletes yeah and I would think that one of the primary concerns is being able to objectively present that information in a in a scientific way yeah. that not only makes sense but that is true to the nature of the data. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what we've had at our conferences a lot, and you know, we have a lot of the coaches that will speak, but obviously they always stress that the players or the athlete's voice has to come into that. Is that you know, it's not about how much data you can collect. It's kind of the knowledge through the data um, and how you can design training programs to do that. So, for example, um, you know, I, I, I'm quite a keen cyclist and um, you do this FTP. So that measures kind of your your output um, over a certain amount of time. And so you have an idea of kind of what your level is. Now, if you um, come back a couple of days later, and you might feel really fresh and try and put the same efforts in, I guarantee you won't be able to do the same kind of level. It actually takes a couple of weeks to actually recover and kind of peak. So this is the whole thing about, you know, when boxers are training for certain events or something, they want to peak at the right time. So, um, you know, information can tell you when you're starting to fatigue and, you know, if you're really kind of improving. Otherwise, you can get fatigued and it doesn't matter how much you train, you're never going to recover. So, um, I mean all these kind of technologies just allow you to give that insight that you can't really feel um, but it does otherwise you just get swamped but the coaches at our events always stress that it has to be an aid to um, what you're already doing and sometimes it's the basic things like sleep patterns and stuff like that which you really have to get right rather than kind of really focusing on those marginal gains um, because if you have an off day at a particular game um, you know it's not necessarily a marginal gain but it's just a complete off day that can have a real detriment to performance um, I suppose if I was going to use one example was um, Formula One teams um, now stress well they, they stress before it's not just the driver you've got to think about it's the pit crews so if they're like a second or two you know if they're tired and they're a second or two um, longer in changing the the car that's a huge detriment to essentially the driver's performance or the team's performance and um, so like I said it's not necessarily the marginal gains the fractures of a second you know, in one element, it's putting all those things together. So, um, yeah, that's really important. You know, you mentioned marginal gains. I've always been interested in the concept that if I put an extra five minutes in during my workout yeah. and I gain X amount of performance, but because I put in that extra five or 15 minutes, I then require X plus two recovery. Yeah. Ultimately, in the long run, what did I gain? You know, what was my net gain from that extra 15 minutes? And it seems like the ability to track that in real time would help me make more informed decisions in my training routine. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think what, what, you know, it's common kind of knowledge or what's been kind of learned over the last couple of years. It's not necessarily how long you train, it's how smart you train. Um, and, you know, your body kind of can only kind of train so much. So you want to maximize the time that you're training. Now, obviously, that, that's a broad sweeping statement. But I think the other things that are now coming into play, and in fact, um, if I can mention circadian rhythms is, you know, your sleep pattern stuff. And actually, it was a, a guy that just won the Nobel Prize for it, um, I thought, or a team um, that, you know, stuff like that, like sleep patterns and stuff like that is, you know, perhaps even 
more important to your performance, particularly when you're traveling international, than trying to get an extra training session in. So sometimes it's just it's just knowing kind of how um, how productive your training sessions are, rather than you ran this many miles when really you should probably just be recovering for the day. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a balancing act. And I think data and technology and stuff can help you and make informed decisions, but it can't necessarily tell you everything. And I think another metric that can be influenced by this analytical approach is the mental aspect. Like you said, most athletes think, oh, I just need another day. I've got to get in another day of training. And then they do that additional day of training. They cause themselves an injury or they cause fatigue that then puts them off schedule. Yeah. Then they have a little bit of a depression that comes along with, oh, man, I, I wish I hadn't done that. Whereas if they had been able to have that information earlier, maybe they would have, you know, listened to their body instead of listening to their mind. Yeah, and absolutely. That, you know, it's a really important point. And and also, you know, the data really kind of backs it up that if you and particularly the coach player, you know, uh, communication, if a coach has this data and this evidence to kind of say, well, we've seen, you know, the, these tracking in your performance or you're not pushing as much power and has data that's a lot easier to convince a player right i think you should take some rest off rather than oh, i think you should take some rest off without any evidence about it so again that's another reason why data is really important and um, you know it just it allows all the different stakeholders the players the coaches the managers stuff to actually make some informed decisions rather than kind of going with your gut um, because obviously that can be biased i think it's safe to say that science has learned quite a bit about the components of the human body. Yeah. We know how many bones there are. We know the names of them. We know the muscles. We know the nerves. We know a lot about the human body. But are we just now starting to break through on finding out how everything really works together as far as performance? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a really complicated topic. So um, alongside kind of my work, I actually um, study um, space physiology. So I have basically astronauts' health. Um, and that's a real kind of like extreme way of kind of looking at kind of what's going on in your body. But, um, you know, what, what I've kind of found in those studies, as well as obviously in my work, is that there's so many of these new areas that we're just kind of getting grip with. So the example I, I often use is the microbiome. So the basically your gut um, and kind of the bacteria in your gut. And there's a lot of, uh, there's an interesting company in Boston that's looking at how your gut and the makeup of your bacteria in your gut that breaks down your know, nutrition and stuff like that is affecting the way you perform. And the argument they make is that if you could have a gut like Michael Jordan, perhaps you could perform you know, at a certain level. And it's really interesting because, you you, you know, your gut has uh, even shown to affect your mind. You know, it's been linked with autism and it's linked with all sorts of different things. So what I think, I think the main point that you got, you know, is that, yes, we've been able to look at different parts of the body in isolation. Um, but I think where science kind of is going now is kind of how those different things interact. So again, like sleep pattern, um, yes, it, um, you know, we know that if you don't get much sleep, your cognitive function um, gets affected or certainly, you know, gets affected when you get a bit of sleep there. But also how does, you know, your sleep patterns affect your way that you um, absorb um, nutrients and, you know, what's the effect of that over a couple of days and stuff. So there's lots of these. It's a whole organism that we got to think about um, rather than just kind of bits in isolation. I think only now we're kind of seeing science really kind of try and look at these things as an organism rather than just kind of 
your leg muscle or you know but it's very hard i mean you know to build scientific models for that is, is incredibly difficult as a general rule when we talk about athletic performance we're really we're talking about the elite competitors we're talking about track and field or professional professional sports in the united states or football or soccer as we would call it or rugby high lie whatever but this information and this approach to analyzing performance is something that could really benefit people who do strenuous physical labor. Technically, they're athletes. Yeah. They're just not being measured by a clock or a scoreboard. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think it was a recent um, uh, news that Fitbit's joining up with Google, um, like Google Cloud or something. And I think a lot of these companies like Fitbit are kind of seeing the real value of their products and their knowledge in something like the health system um, and looking at it from that perspective because obviously that's you know it's a very small fraction of the population that's actually involved in kind of elite sport or even kind of high level sport and i think you know there's a a larger um focus that needs to be on all these other different things you know and like you said the hard labor you know that that's a really good example you know construction workers and you know their injury you know you want to try and prevent injuries before they happen um you know or even even look at something like surgery you know surgeons um and you can track if you could track their performance or something you can perhaps predict when they're going to make a mistake before they make a mistake i mean all these things obviously gets very complicated because you've obviously got the data privacy thing and um, that comes in that um but it is you know something that really needs to be looked at and you know touching on that point going back again to elite performance um you know looking at biometric data to, for the health of an athlete um rather than just performance um is you know again we're kind of coming back then to the elite performance but again it's uh it's a really good example of how these tracking devices shouldn't just look at a scoreboard but should look at can look at overall health and I think one very important reason for that would be that an athlete is only an athlete for a limited amount of time. After that, they're a human being. Yeah. And quality of life, once you finish competing, yeah. it should be just as important as anything you do on the field during your competitive years. Yeah. I mean, NFL, obviously, with the concussion stuff is you know, is investing quite a lot in that because it's come up. But then you see it in football over here, the FA have just launched a really big project about um, uh, heads, uh, head potential head damage from headering a ball because it's potentially been linked to, you know, Alzheimer's and, you know, really bad um, health conditions. So, you know, they're trying to put a, see if there's a link there. Um, but again, a lot of this is really difficult. But I think more and more you'll see... Um, a sports company, you know, sports clubs and stuff, or certainly leagues, um, getting more invested in that because I think, you know, as people become more informed, um, you know, these kind of health risks become more informed, it's just going to be, um, you know, come longer and longer. I mean, you look at some of the long distance endurance races and stuff, and that's another example, you know, and I think as long as people are informed and making informed choices, um, then, you know, that's, that's, um, that's what you need to do. You know, I don't think it's damaging to sport. I just think as long as you keep people informed, I think they just have to make their own right choices about it. So you have a, a unique viewpoint that you're able to see the future before the rest of us. <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> Is there something that you see that other parts of the industry are just starting to notice that you really believe is the next critical major area of attention as far as performance analysis? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is 
I mean, it's so obviously. I mean, what what excites me about um, our, our recent conferences, and, and you know, I should mention our our conferences really try and link the the fan engagement side of sports and with the performance side as well. So it's it's quite an interesting kind of merge there between the two. Um, but what I think is is really interesting is um, looking at whole population and and. and so there's a lot of interesting projects with kind of e-sport and traditional sport. And I, what I what I really like looking at is um, the particular project that interests me is if you have a stationary bike at home and you're using a, an interface, but people are able to collect that data into a cloud. Um, so I suppose in, in terms of kind of thinking ahead where these things are going, I mean, if you could collect data from whole populations of people and analyze that and um, not only you you going to uh, do talent identification um but you can i mean look at health risks look at and you know data's new oil right so i think well, rather than looking at necessary you know these invasive technologies or looking at dehydration and stuff like that and that'll come down the line i think what's really interesting is if you could kind of standardize or, or have some way of collecting all these different data points that are coming out of um, people using you know wearable technologies and stuff and feed it into your health programs but also your talent identification programs i think it'd be really interesting um anyway but yeah i mean that's a very roundabout about view but i certainly think um you know just like we're collecting data um to look at transport trends and, and traffic flows and people moving in certain directions and try and make informed decisions on that. I think if you could look at um, performance or, or certainly, you know, look at sports from a population point of view and try and make informed decisions, whether that's a healthcare system or you know, a sports club or something, I think that would be really interesting. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen too many people do it. For the last question today, I want to ask you, you've mentioned a couple of times that cycling is your sport. So Nicholas, given an opportunity, would you ever want to try to ride your bike through the Pyrenees in the Tour de France? Yeah, um, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I mean, the Tour de France is so brutal. I, so I used to do um, some coaching around the velodrome. I meet, used to meet some of the semi-pros and the pros, um, and some of the the kind of the commitment that these guys have to put in, um, and and women, and you know, a thousand k a week is like standard, like absolute minimal you have to put in. Um, but actually, at the moment, I'm um, trying to train for a race across America qualifier, um, and it is just, it's just. I mean, people people enjoy cycling, but the commitment these pro guys are doing. And to your question, absolutely, um, but it's just whole, you really have to dedicate yourself. I think it's you know hours and hours and hours of training. But um, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, if people ever get the chance to go up those mountains on a bike, you really kind of get a sense of how difficult that sport is, um, rather than just kind of driving over them. But yeah, it's really really cool. Well, I tell you what, I will just take your word for it, and I will watch you bicycle up the Pyrenees Mountains. Yeah. And if you do, uh, if you're fortunate enough, and, and I hope that you are, to, to qualify for this uh, race here in the Americas, just tell them to swing down through Texas, and you stop on by, and I'll get you a sports drink or something. <laughs> yeah. Today, I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with Nicholas Longworth. Nicholas is, of course, the founder of the Sports Data Series and a director of Sports Innovation Network. Nicholas, thanks so much for taking the time today. Hope I talk to you again soon. Brent. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.